When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, 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 Michigan's fate as far as the sign ceiling scandal, there's some alliteration for you, could be happening as early as today. We're going to have more on that, plus my good buddy Dan Dockage coming on the show to weigh in. Outkick the Morning starts right now. Welcome to Outkick the Morning. I, of course, am Charlie Arnold. Super excited to be here with all of you today. It's Thursday. We are one day away from the weekend. I guess we're two days away from the weekend. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited. What can I say? I'm very much looking forward to a lot of things I'm taking part in this weekend. That is something we will discuss uh, probably tomorrow. Uh, But for now, we have some business to attend to as far as Michigan is concerned because the drama at Michigan continues to unfold. The University of Michigan has sent its response to the Big Ten's notice of disciplinary action essentially warning conference commissioner Tony Petiti that he cannot overstep his authority and discipline Jim Harbaugh under the conference's sportsmanship policy. Now, this would be for the alleged sign-sealing scheme, of course. So in this 10-page letter that they sent over, Michigan boiled this response down to two basic positions. One, saying the Big Ten can't take action if a formal decision has not been made about whether rules were violated. And two, it would be unfair to discipline the program in part because... There's evidence of other Big Ten schools also sign-stealing and sharing them among each other. So now whether Petiti takes any of this into consideration is unknown at this point, but it is believed he is going to make a decision regarding a potential punishment for the Wolverines as early as today. And rumor has it, Harbaugh is going to face at least a two-game suspension. The University of Michigan has promised a vigorous defense of any disciplinary action taken against Harbaugh and the team, including seeking an injunction or temporary restraining order. And the timing could not be worse, as all of this, of course, as you all know, taking place as the number three-ranked Wolverines are preparing for their Saturday showdown with the 10th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. That would be my mother's alma mater, just FYI for all of you out there. Uh, But now, for more, let's bring in host of Don't At Me, Mr. Dan Dockage. Charlie, 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 thank you for having me. Hey, lots going on with Michigan. Um, Here's the deal. All right, here's the deal. Okay, here we go. Just let it it loose. Well, Michigan is saying, look, other schools stole signs, so how was Jim Harbaugh to know that stallions stole signs illegally. Let me let me address the first part. Look, you know this. In every walk of life, nothing happens in a vacuum. People talk. Guy who's an assistant coach at Illinois is friends with the assistant coach at Purdue, is friends with the assistant coach at Indiana. And, you know, you get on a tape and you're watching and you pick something up, you write it down. We did this in basketball all the time. Of course you do. In game. In game or watching videotape in prepare preparing for game. Then you're getting ready to play Michigan. Guy says, hey, you guys at Illinois, you just played Michigan. I'm here at Purdue. You got anything on Michigan that can help me? We're friends. So he says, yeah, here's what we think they do in different situations when they call this place. All perfectly legal. People can mince words. Michigan fans can try to defend it. But look, they're mincing words. Here's what I see. 
So why did Harbaugh hire the guy? What was his job? What was his exact job? Why was it budgeted? Because they've already admitted that the Washington Post store, there was budgeted for $15,000 for this guy to travel. Where did he travel to? Because, well, frankly, it's illegal for any staff member, Harbaugh to the lowest staff member, to go and scout in person. What was behind all this? Look, it could be really cleared up. It could have been really cleared up. All Stallions had to do, if he did nothing, was go through the investigation. When you did nothing, Charlie, you go through the investigation. And when you, This isn't okay. a court of law. He's not going to jail for a misstep. So there's a lot here, but the bottom line is simply this. They're protecting Jim Harbaugh by saying he had no way of knowing. So my question is, then explain why Stallions was hired, given a salary and all this access. What was his job? Okay, so you believe that Harbaugh did not know about any of this, or he did know, and that's why you're saying, you know, why was this guy hired in the first place? Right. Absolutely Harbaugh knew. Well, There's no chance he okay. did not know. Look, if this guy, what was he hired for? I mean, he was hired, apparently, to do this. They're making the case, was there, is Charlie, there any, Is there any other part know. of his job description? Is there any other part of his job description, though? I'm not aware of, like, his full job description. Could it have been something else that he was responsible for and he went off on his own and did this? Because so, I've talked to a few people who believe that Jim Harbaugh actually did not know. I have no clue. I've talked to, I, I've talked to numerous Big Ten coaches, including one of the most, uh, guy, one of the most prominent guys uh, yesterday, and there is absolutely no doubt all of them feel not only did Harbaugh know this was systematic, not only mm. was it systematic, this was set up, this was orchestrated, and that's the reason this guy with his background was there. The problem he had was this guy was stupid. Like, look, if you're going to do it, use someone else's name. How's anybody going to pick out a name out of 100,000, uh, excuse me, 100,000 uh, tickets sold? Also, I was told yesterday, it may not come this week, it may not come next week, but it's coming very quickly, within the next three weeks. I don't know this to be fact. I'm just telling you when I talk to people that are involved in the Big Ten, they told me that they have the complete total goods on Michigan, on Harbaugh, and it isn't if, it's when this is coming down. Okay, so so something is going to happen. Some type of disciplinary action will definitely take effect according to your beliefs and what people are telling you. So what, yeah. what do you think that that discipline is going to look like? Well, that's a really good question because that's the second part of this. You know, the commissioner, there's a saying in coaching, teaching, that kind of stuff. You can always lighten up. It's hard to toughen up. Commissioner is in an interesting spot here because he's got his cash cow right now, Ohio State of Michigan, number one, at odds, which is good. It's great when Ohio State or Michigan's at odds. You're talking about it. I'm talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. But you know what? We're talking about major, major dollars here, national champions, prestige of a conference. So you ask me what's going to happen. I, everybody's going to lawyer up. The idea that Petiti, uh, Petiti cannot discipline Harbaugh is up for debate, according to my family, who I am full of lawyers. That is up for debate. There is always one side that a lawyer is going to another side a lawyer is going to say. People on Twitter make that sound easy. But when I talk to my family, two lawyers in my family, they're like, hey, Dan, this is the perfect thing. It is up for debate. It's a little ambiguous what he can and cannot do. And then the other aspect mm -hmm. is this. Uh, Charlie, the NCAA takes forever. The NC Pat McAfee said on game day, he said, hey, look, NCAA, get to this in 2030. And he ain't wrong, Charlie. <laughs> but here's the deal. Uh, the NCAA is kind of being taken out of this. 
What's going to happen here is this, Charlie. Just mark my words, looking beyond my nose. Whatever okay. it happens, today, a month to it, what's going to happen is Big Ten's going to suspend Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's going to go to Detroit. He's going to find a Michigan judge. He's going to get an injunction. He's going to coach. And then Harbaugh, I don't know if he'll be gone from Michigan, but I would have a hard time believing Jim Harbaugh is going to coach at Michigan next year based on what is, I'm being told, is going to come out. I think he'll get an injunction. You know what? Uh, he'll get suspended, an injunction. He'll coach. Season will end. Boom. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it's been explained to me. Le from a legal side of it, Charlie. Okay, so, and you know, it's, it's also just important to remind people that Harbaugh also served a self-imposed three-game suspension at the start of the season. Right for recruiting and coaching penalties during the COVID-19 dead period. So as well as along with that failure to cooperate with an NCAA investigation, which still isn't complete. So you take that, put it on top of now these sign stealing allegations. I mean, I think you're right. I don't think a future is clear or it even makes sense for Harbaugh at Michigan anymore. Charlie, you got three things here. You got the sign stealing. The investigation is still ongoing about Jim Harbaugh practicing and uh, excuse me meeting with kids over COVID. That's ongoing. That that's not stopped. And then there's a third one. His offensive coordinator, I think his name was Walt Weiss. He committed alleged cyber crimes. The FBI is in there. Word I'm getting is that he was hacking into other schools' computers to My get God. practice plans and practice film. So you don't have one, you don't have two, you've got three here. That's why I'm saying, and maybe I didn't make this clear earlier, that's why I'm saying I don't believe Harbaugh is a coach there next year. He'll get an injunction this year, and I got a mic here, Charlie, and you know what Harbaugh wants to do? He wants to win a national championship through all this crap, drop the mic, and walk away, and the Chicago <laughs> Bears or somebody hires him in the NFL. I mean, he definitely seems to me like he has an air that he is above the law and that the rules don't apply to him. Is, is that the kind of person? Listen, he has tons of success. He's super smart. He knows the game inside and out. Uh, his resume speaks for himself. But is this the kind of guy that an NFL team would want to bring on? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And the NFL has said, Charlie, they've said, look, we're not going to be a golden parachute for this guy. Now, look, it doesn't – the NFL saying this doesn't matter. The NFL is 32 individual owners. And like being a draft choice, it only takes one team. So let's say the Chicago Bears where he played. He's pretty revered there, need a coach. Well, you know, it would be up to the McCaskey family, the owners – to do that. Harbaugh has always been full of crap. When Harbaugh was here in Indy, there's a legendary story about a kid that was on his team. I think it was a linebacker named Chris Grant listening to Harbaugh talk about God to a reporter on TV. And Grant grabs Harbaugh, puts him in a locker and says, look, your phone, I'm, you know, Grant was a really religious guy. There was a group of religious guys in the cults. And they said, look, you're phony. Don't you ever do that in this locker room. You want to be phony out there, do it. But don't you ever bring up God because that's not how you live. You're just being a fraud. Do not do that in the locker mm -hmm. room. And there's a legendary story in India of a guy putting him again. Harbaugh's always been the guy that talks. He's always been the guy that knows what to say, when to say it. Very smart guy. But you know what? Uh, the emperor has no clothes when it comes to ethics in this case. It doesn't seem to be the case. And it, it seems like there's a lot of people, whether in college football or outside of it, 
that also don't have many ethics. Uh, some former players are saying so what as far as a sign-stealing scandal is concerned. Uh, they've been saying that this kind of stuff has been happening for decades in college football. Deion Sanders has famously quoted in the past, you still need to stop them even if you know the play. And now, Dan, I want you to listen to something. Even O.J. Simpson is saying this whole thing is overblown. <laughs> you know, I looked at Michigan play. They're so good. They don't really need to steal signs. But, you know, if the Big Ten really wanted to get rid of that, all they had to do is uh, put radios in the quarterback's uh, helmets. Uh, but I believe that um, it, it's a little overrated, this sign stealing, because most teams... 80% of the time, down in distance, is going to dictate what that offense is going to do. You know, based on down in distance, uh, probably 80% of the time, if they're going to run the ball or if they're going to throw the ball, they can't help on first down, I guess, if you're sure they're going to run or if you're sure they're going to throw. But I always thought that was a little overrated. Yeah, if you got him on your side, you're all right. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah look, you don't I want him not get, on your side. Get, we know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, Charlie. Oh, you're right about that. OJ, you're right, man. Hillary Clinton, I'm not suicidal. And OJ Simpson, you're right. You're right. It's all good. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to stop it. Yeah, but you know what, man? Does it make it easier? Oh, my God. Does it make it easier when you know? And it's not about one play. Like, it's about the entire game. It's about the entire 60 minutes. Look, if it didn't matter, then why do it? Jim Harbaugh, Charlie, I want you to think about this. Harbaugh is coaching at his alma mater. Everybody now loves him. He's won twice against Ohio State. Okay. But they didn't love him. He was 0-5 against Urban Meyer. He couldn't win a game. They took his salary away. They were going to fire him, but they didn't. He hires this guy for a specific reason. And next thing you know, they go and win. But let me explain to you. Harbaugh given where he is, can only really, I mean, let's be realistic here. He can only get fired if two seasons go dreadfully bad or he has some type of arrest or some type of sex mm. HR thing. I mean, he's, so why? Or, or they can fire him for cause, Charlie, for cheating. So if this doesn't matter, if this is overblown, why do it? Why put yourself in a position where you hire this guy for whatever the reason, he is in your staff. He's incognito in Central at Central Michigan. People that he hired to scout games for him, thus Michigan, because there is a clause in head coaches' contracts. It's in every head coach. I don't care if it's basketball, softball, you are responsible for your program in totality. Mm -hmm. Everybody. So why put yourself in this position if it doesn't matter or it's overblown? That's what people don't understand. Are people taking uh, TV copies and looking for signs? Absolutely. 100%. Hell, I stole signs when I was coaching my son's 12 and under baseball team. I looked over at the coach, <laughs> and if he gave him away, I'm like, hey. Right? I mean, but I didn't hire a guy to go scout him. Look. I'm telling you, Charlie, uh, it's a big risk, uh, big reward for Harbaugh because, let's face it, Harbaugh won twice yeah, against Michigan. He's going to be the highest paid, so it was worth the risk. Cheating pays in college sports, Charlie. I mean, it, it, cheating doesn't just pay in college sports. There's, you know, I mean, there's a reason why we have crooked politicians running our country because there's high risk, but there's also high reward, right? You, 
you do dealings uh, with uh, China it, and Iran and all those places, you're going to put a lot of money in your pocket, even though it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, cheating pays in a lot of things, except marriage. Except marriage, because, you know what? It costs you your family. It costs you the whole deal. So, you know, there you don't do it, uh, ever. But I'm telling you, think about what you just said. As you were saying that, and you were talking about politicians, I was thinking to myself, where doesn't cheating in this society right now, where where doesn't it pay? And I, it just real quickly, I thought, wait a second, you know, uh, no, politicians, absolutely. Congress, of course. Presidency, yes. Uh, business, guys have cheated their way to the top forever. I, you know, the only thing I can come up with is, hey, look, dude, if you're going to, I told a friend of mine three days ago, dude, you're cheating on your wife. You're going to lose half your stuff in your family. Is it worth it? And he kind of looked at me and he started crying. And I'm like, hey, look, man, I don't know. That's, but that's the reality. Is it worth it? And uh, in, in college sports, it's worth it. Yeah, that, a very good point made there. Uh, that's actually a, a good topic for a, a longer discussion, I think. Uh, but, Dan, I want to get your take on something else, because this is something that I think I see you tweeting about almost every Sunday, probably Saturday as well. Um, there is the idea that officiating uh, has gone rogue. It is no longer based on merit. It's based on diversity. And just when we take a closer look at the officiating from this year's NCAA women's basketball title game between LSU and Iowa State, that was made even more apparent because anybody who watched the game back in April knew that there were several blown call calls. And now the NCAA has confirmed that the referees did, in fact, screw up. In a report released today, the NCAA, in an independent review of the officiating, confirmed the accuracy of the calls was, quote, well below standard. So, Dan, like I said, you constantly rag on the fact that officials are being hired for diversity rather than merit. This game especially highlights that. In the NCAA, I mean, they have several different referees, all women, that they brought on for to work in the Final Four uh, for the first time in history. So what do you have to say to all this? I mean, is it time yeah. we really take a closer look and people start paying attention to the fact that, listen, it's nice to have a woman on the sidelines. In fact, last night I was at the Knicks game and there was a woman official. I love seeing that. But if you cannot do your job and you do not know how to do your job, it doesn't matter who you are, man, woman, black, brown, Asian, white, you shouldn't be there. Sports, uh, Charlie, is the ultimate meritocracy, or at least it's supposed to be, right? I mean, you, you, you play well, you win. You play bad, you lose. Here's what happened with this that got me going on. Two things, one in the NFL that I'll get to in a second. But when that game was going on, and I initially tweeted, I think it was kind of early, I'm like, this is ridiculous. We got, and I don't know what kind of ist I'm going to be here because I would say this about a man, but we've got some out-of-shape fat-ass lady running up and down the court that can't get to the end of the court. <laughs> And I would say the same thing about a guy. If we had some fat-ass guy, I would say the same thing. And <laughs> a, 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 about three different, couple of assistants, one incredibly prominent women's coach, text me. They said, Dan, these referees, and I don't know whether this is true or not, They all, one of them said it that I asked the other two and they text, aren't even on the radar of being the best officials in women's basketball. Now, I'm not going to sit here, Charlie, and tell you that I've got the women's official rankings, right? One to 100. I'm just mm -hmm. going by people said. And as the game went on, and it was clear that one of them couldn't get up and down the court, and the other two were inept, and everybody in the country was seeing it, people for the first time said, what are we doing? Now, 
The other thing, you got to understand how incredibly, incredibly bad they were, Charlie, to get something like that worded that way. I mean, the last thing, right? I mean, substandard, all those words are like, and they were. And this isn't just, you know, old white guy being mad. I'm watching the game and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. There's always a blown call or two, but this is egregiously bad. Like this is, and, and, and obviously gets, here's what the NFL did. And this comes from a good friend of mine that ref for 26 years. In fact, I texted him this morning to ask me where I saw this. The NFL came out and said, we got to get younger and we got to get more diverse in our officials. Okay. So what the NFL did, it used to be 25 years of officiating experience before you got into the NFL. Uh, right now, 57% of people going into the NFL, I may have this stat wrong, I gotta, but it's right there, uh, have under 10 years of experience. They fired older, experienced guys wow. for diversity, women, and not only just diversity and women, but to get younger. So now what are we seeing? We're seeing in the NFL, Charlie, for the first time, players are really comfortable just ripping the officials. We're seeing people talk about mm. bad calls. Here's what, here's what my buddy, veteran, 26 years, all these championship games that he did, he said, Dan, it's not just the bad calls. How many times in a game do you see a flag thrown and the referee who talks to the crowd says, there was no foul on the play? He goes, Dan, that shows the level of ineptness of one or more of the officials on that crew. And it's sad, Charlie, because, look, Sports is easy. You're you're the best. You win. You're you're the you're the best right. official. You go to the next level, and it's not that way anymore. People call me all kind of names, and that's cool. But I'm just telling you, the NFL said it. We're getting younger and more diverse. Well, imagine also <clears throat> if you know teams were to take on this mindset, right? Hey, sorry, you're not going to be starting because you don't offer enough diversity. So we're going to put in this other kid who looks a little bit different. And they're going to take your starting spot. And you know what? Even if it means we're not going to win the game, it's okay because we're more diverse. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You wouldn't see a team do that. But it's what my mind goes to. I mean, why not, right? Hey, uh, my dad, this is kind of funny that you bring that up. My dad, uh, rest his soul, played college basketball in the 50s. And he went, as a lot of kids from Gary, Indiana did, to Idaho State, Pocatello, Idaho. Because there was a train that ran. And my dad was like the second leading scorer. And he goes into the coach and he says, hey, how come I'm not starting? And the coach says, I can't start five guys from out of state. And he's like, what? And he transferred to Bowling Green. He's like, you can't. So I don't know. Maybe I'm dead wrong, Charlie. Maybe you're dead wrong. Maybe this kind of stuff has been happening forever. I don't know. But it's very simple with officials. If you're a bad official, you can't be hidden. You, ju- you cannot be hidden. It's like a guy that's going through a bad stretch as a second baseman. The ball finds you in baseball, they always say. A call will find you as a bad official. And then, and here's the problem that, that the older officials are having in the NFL. Bad calls, we don't single out the official. We single out the officiating crew led by the guy we see. on Ed Hockley's crew sucks because, you know, Joey mm. Bag of Donuts made three bad calls. So it affects everyone, and I'm telling – all right, last thing on official. Here's the deal. I hope this doesn't offend you. 
Rest in peace, guy named John Adams. Long time, long, long time head of NCAA officials and an outspoken great dude. He and I go to lunch and we're talking officiating and he goes, hey, Dan, there's nine women officials in NCAA basketball. Eight of them wouldn't be allowed to do a junior high game. But there's one that should be allowed to do a college game. And maybe there's 10 now, but that's the world we live in. We've got to get diverse, we've got to get younger, and we've got to put in women. And fine, that's great, until it screws up the game. Yeah, no, I'm not offended. I think that if I wanted to be an official, I would make sure to understand what that means and get all of my reps in on all of the very, I mean, just like with my job right now, you think I started on a national level? No, I was in Huntington, West Virginia, lugging around a tripod and a camera on my back, doing all of my own videos, doing all of my own editing. And I started ground zero and worked my way up. That's because that's what you need to do if you want to be successful, if you want to be taken seriously. And unfortunately, that's not how the world works anymore, whether it's in sports or otherwise. It's all very sad and it pisses me off, quite frankly. Yeah, I want to go to 23andMe. I'm Polish. I think I'm 50% Polish and 50% Serbian. I got to see if, if, if there's a little bit Elizabeth Warren. You know what I mean? Like, like, and then I want to apply for the head coach of the New York Knicks or something because, you know, what the <laughs> hell. But, uh, <laughs> you know, no, I get it. You know, every guy, and this is, this is uh, something that a friend of mine does in the auto dealership. He owns nine auto dealerships. His kids wanted to be in. He said, yeah, okay, you're going to start washing cars. That's where you're going to start. You're going to start learning washing cars in the parts department or whatever department you call that, changing oil. That's what you're going to do. CAA, the powerful agency, which I'm sure you're a part of. I was for about a year. I'm reading their book. Everybody that you read about, except for Ovitz and the guys that started CAA, Creative Artists, uh, Creative Artists Association, whatever it's called, uh, started in the mailroom. I mean, we act like, I think my son, when he came out of Ohio State with a master's degree, went into coaching, thought he was going to be the head coach at Duke, you know, without having to go be the, you know, crappy film guy. But you know what? He was the crappy film guy, and he's thriving now because you work your way up. <laughs> Nothing wrong with working yes. your way up. Nothing at all. There's nothing wrong. And in fact, I was just thinking about it last night again and talking about the game. You know, I was watching the, I, I guess his, I don't know if he's a towel boy, water boy. You know, he was, he was a, not a young guy, though. You know, he's probably my age or, or, you know, maybe even older. And he was on the floor having the guys, like, passing out towels, to, the, you know, distributing water bottles. And I respected it, you know. It's not somebody who says, oh, this is a job I'm above. Uh, They want to be a part of the team. And I have to imagine this guy realizes if he puts in his work, people respect him. He gets, you know, everything done. (laughs) It's going to curse for a second there. Uh, Then there's the ability for him to move up and down the ranks, you know. And that's, uh, again, something that we don't unfortunately see too much of today. Everyone just wants to jump right to the top because there's that entitlement issue that a lot of people are experiencing. Charlie, I went from being Bob Knight's only one of two in the history of Indiana basketball, me and Quinn Buckner, only two-time captain of Bob Knight's basketball team, Quinn Buckner, who played on national championship team, undefeated, and me. I went from being a two-time captain to the next year being a graduate assistant. And one of my jobs on a Saturday morning, after I was out till about 3 in the morning, 
was to get up, leave Nick's English hut, get up and go find one of Coach Knight's hunting dogs somewhere in southern Indiana. Like, that was my job. I went from playing against Michael Jordan to my first job was, hey, Dockage, here's a map where I hunted. See if you can find my hunting dog. We couldn't find him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Coach. I mean, and that might have been the best job he gave me during the two years as a grad assistant. So, you know what? Working your way up ain't bad. I think I don't. You do you don't have a book, do you? I should. I should. I know I don't. You should. I don't. You should, should have a book. You have a lot of stories. I think you should need to uh, get to writing. So after your show today, which is coming up, wow, in just about thirty minutes, uh, yeah, you probably should start putting pen to paper. And I, I want this. I want this book to come out. We'll, we'll give you a goal of mid next year. How about that? Is that enough time for you? Yeah. Uh, okay. If I write, um, it'll anything- take seventeen oh. years. I need, like, uh, some right. You know who Angelo Pizzo is? Angelo Pizzo wrote Hoosiers. He's You're a on friend of mine. He told me I need a... Th- NCAA punishment timeline. Huh? Yeah, same thing. From yeah, 2030. About 2030, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The writer of Hoosiers told me, he goes, you need a third act. I don't know what that third act is going to be. An arrest, a scandal. Ooh. You know, I, I heard you talking about... Oh, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. Something, I need a third act, but... I do have some stories. Uh, my wife likes them. My kids like them. And that's good enough for me. I also like them. Um, but before we let you go, Thank Dan, you. anything that we can expect on today's episode of Don't At Me, which starts on Outkick.com and YouTube and all the other places in about 30 minutes? Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what we were talking about with the officiating with this. Uh Don Staley, the coach, one of the coaches in that game, came out and said, hey, leave these officials, leave these brown and black-skinned officials alone. My question is, how many times have you and I heard, well, what does color of skin have to do with it? What, what, what does that have to do with anything? You know, it's only when they, when they meaning people that say, you got to be careful with every word you say, right? Only when people need to be victims do people come out and say, well, Leave this brown and black women alone. I don't care if you're brown, black, green, or purple. If you're as bad as your job on a national stage as those officials were, guess what? You're going to get criticized. Equal but special. Don't work with Charlie, and it don't work with Double D. How's that? I'll talk third person. No, I like like that. I like that, the way you phrase that. I'm totally on board with that. Dan, thank you so much for spending as much time as you did on the show. Uh, Your insight is always appreciated, and you have me cracking up. So thank you for starting my day on such a positive note. Thank you. Uh, You're the best. Keep killing, Charlie. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Oh, I love that guy. Uh, you all know that I've known Dan for a long time. We actually did a comedy show together in Indianapolis in 2015. Yeah, 2015. We were both comedic acts, which is, you know, why we're both so hilarious, right? Um, anyways, uh, let's move on to the next story. Uh, it's been just over a month since war broke out in the Middle East, and we have one disgraceful human being. You've probably never heard her name being tossed around here and there because she is 
really relentless about keeping her names in the headlines. Uh, her name is Mia Khalifa. She is an OnlyFans star. Uh, she has made it her mission to prop up the Hamas terrorists and drag Israel, claiming her OnlyFans page is booming more than ever, ever since she took the stance, which unfortunately, I don't think she's lying. I think there are true scumbags right now in our country and around the world who are definitely probably giving her more support than ever. And this was on your screen. You can see this was her initial tweet that she sent out the day that Hamas attacked Israel saying, quote, can someone please tell the freedom fighters, freedom fighters, my ass, in Palestine to flip their phones and film horizontal. It's really just disgusting. But now Khalifa has taken it one step further, ripping Israeli actress and former IDC soldier, IDF soldier, rather, Gal Gadot's support for Israel and calling her a, quote, genocide Barbie. Now, Gadot has been one of the most vocal celebrities in the world when it comes to standing with Israel. And since the October 7th terrorist attack has really turned her whole Instagram, which boasts roughly 110 million followers, into a complete stream of information about the hostages. Now Godot taking her activism to the big screen. She's hoping to draw even more attention to the atrocities that are happening in Israel at the hands of Hamas. So running 47 minutes in length and provided by IDF, uh, she's screening video, horribly disturbing body cam footage and also drone footage that was taken by Hamas and the terrorists on October 7th. So last night, the initial screening took place at the Los Angeles Museum of Tolerance and surprise, tons of protesters showed up in droves Video showing Jews being attacked by pro-Palestine, anti-Israel pro protesters uh, was being aired. And of course, they had a problem with it. So take a look. Complete disrespect for what Gal Gadot is trying to do. But of course, no one's surprised. This is the exact scene that we're seeing taking place all over the country, whether it be on the streets of all of our major cities here in New York City. You're seeing it all the time. On many of the college campuses around the nation, you're having pro-Palestine rallies, anti-Semitic rallies. Uh, you have Jewish students who don't even feel safe walking to class on their own anymore. Uh, it's truly unfortunate uh, what's transpiring in our country. Uh, I don't anticipate that it's going to end anytime soon. I think that the people that are really showing their true colors have felt like this for a long time now, and now they have the perfect excuse to act in the most disgusting of manners. But that is the reason why what Gal Gadot is doing is so ultra important, because I know how upsetting it is going to be for people to view this video. I've already heard from certain people here in the United States who have already had an opportunity to watch it themselves. I heard it is truly traumatizing, but it is vital for people to see what is happening, especially at a time when so many people are in denial about the bloodshed that's occurring in southern Israel, and especially at a time when, again, anti-Semitism is running rampant all over the United States. Anti-Semitism, some of the examples that I just explained to you, it's up 400% right now. Jews make up 2.6% of this country. They're receiving 60% of the threats. So we are continually seeing this in all different aspects. We are seeing images of people ripping down kidnapping posters, staging pro-Palestine rallies, and walking out of their jobs even to take an anti-Israel stance. It's sick. It's disgusting. Hopefully, Godot's idea to show this video will drum up some support among the liberal elites so they can begin to use their massive platforms that we know that they have to also spread the word to encourage support for Israel at such a desperate time. Uh, okay, so that is going to do it. Oh, actually, we have one more, we have one more story. Um, we are going to be discussing a Netflix documentary that's coming out. This one's going to make everyone laugh. This is what I'm going to leave you with. A little bit of a lighthearted note, uh, because you all know how I feel about the U.S. women's national team and Megan Rapinoe. Um, Netflix 
has announced that there is going to be a documentary on the U.S. women's national team's lackluster World Cup performance. I'm not sure why you would want that kind of performance to live on in infamy, but here's the thing. Netflix probably signed on to do this, what, earlier this spring? Maybe even more in advance than that. Uh, so it was already a signed and sealed deal. They didn't really have any choice because I would have to imagine that they would maybe reconsider knowing how their World Cup experience went down. They released a statement, according to a social media post, it's a four-part series, and they said it is going to, quote, follow the athletes behind the most decorated team in international soccer history on the road to the 2023 FIFA World Cup. So here's my question. I know you have to do the documentary because you've already paid to have it done and put all the legwork in and did all of that, but what is the premise of this documentary going to be? Because, like I said, they completely flopped this year in the quarterfinals after Megan Rapino, let's not forget, blew that penalty kick. Though I'm sure when this documentary goes into production, um, they're gonna probably try to jazz it up in some way, shape, or form to make it maybe a more riveting show than it would ordinarily be. Uh, but my prediction is, not only are we going to have to rewatch this dismal performance, but also I have to imagine that they're going to use Megan Rapino's constant whining about the gender pay gap and how difficult it was to represent the USA on a world stage, I have a feeling that sentiment going to be weaved in and out of the entire four-part series. So the, the documentary, it's called Under Pressure, which is kind of a funny name because it's really a horrible choice to call this documentary because look what happened when they were under pressure. They completely bombed, they blew it. So I have decided to come to the table with a couple of suggestions for Netflix. Feel free to take them free of charge. This is my good deed to you. One, I think it should be called Flopping Feminists. That sounds perfect to me. I think it completely sums up what the documentary is about. And in fact, I feel like you could just put Flopping Feminists on your screen and not give any other information about what it's about. And people would just know. They would just know what they're about to get into. And then they would just probably not watch it. But still, it would be an appropriate title. My other idea is She's the Worst. Hopefully you all are, are catching on to what I'm putting down. Do you remember that Amanda Bynes movie when she was the, she was the girl and she dressed up as a boy uh, and she was a soccer star, which is actually a very hilarious movie. Uh, anyways, I would love to play off that and just have it called She's the Worst. And of course, we would be talking about none other than our favorite soccer player, Megan Rapinoe. Uh, also, I think that if there's an idea of just sending this documentary in a different direction, if they have maybe the employees to, to do that, what they should do, because this would make it ultra interesting, because Megan Rapinoe hates the country so much, they should just send her packing. She has to leave the U.S. and she has to go live now in a different country. China, Afghanistan, maybe Somalia. I don't know, that could be an interesting. I would watch that, that would be entertaining to see how she would cope and to see if she maybe garnered any extra appreciation for what it truly does mean to be an American and live in this country uh, that has the greatest freedoms in all of the world. I don't know. These are some suggestions, Netflix. Feel free to do with them what you will. Uh, but that's all I've got for today, guys. This has been a fun show. I'm so thankful for Dan for spending some extra time with us. And uh, we have a stacked show in store for you tomorrow, as we always do. So make sure you subscribe. Get those alerts. Like, comment. I, I feel like eventually I'm just going to probably have to tell you to stop not do all of these things. You're just going to have to do them on your own. Uh, but until then, I'm going to be your mother and tell you exactly what to do. Also, make sure you follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. And that's going to do it for Thursday.
Now we are one step closer to the weekend. One more day, we're gonna get through this. But until tomorrow, I hope you all have a fabulous day and I'll catch you on the flip side.